So there'll be some areas that I'll give you, I'll post you the verses that we'll be looking at. And so you'll have to pen them quickly. Whether you can turn to them as quickly, I don't know. But part of what I'll be doing is basically transcribing this to you. I've kind of made up some in advance notes that will help me to stay the course because I know that many of you have barbecues to attend for your celebration. How many guys have barbecues planned by your families? Okay, it was hidden from you. It's a secret. Don't share that, wives. Forget about it. Make them feel lonely. Make them ask whether God loves them. Don't even answer that. I don't even know whether I'm going to have one. I was going to try to show pity for them. <laughs> Apparently, I'm having one. <laughs> if you guys were forgotten, just smell where it's coming from and come on over. All righty. Well, you're probably having an ice cream social. I'm just doing a rack of ribs, so don't, don't worry about it. In the epistles that the Apostle John wrote, there's one that you're familiar with. It's 1 John, and in the fourth verse, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It's the fourth of that. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, it is interesting because we don't have any historical evidence, at least in the scriptures, of him having a family. Therefore, what we don't know, we can certainly apply here that he adopted in faith those men that he taught the word of God to. And I, I think that that's really important to be able to have um, that as our anchor point. But I also want you to go quickly to the Gospel of Luke. Again, we'll be traveling fairly quickly. That might have been Third John too, and I think that's what it was. But let's take a look at this taking us really to the source of both fatherhood and of sonship. Fatherhood and sonship. We can pick this up in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And this is a story that intrigues me. And it's an example, I think, to all of us. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So this is a holy feast day. And... This Jewish family, I think you can already anticipate who it is. It's Joseph and Mary taking with them Jesus. This is who we're seeing right now as a young son on their pilgrimage. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. That's an interesting one because most of us know when our kids that we definitely brought with us are no longer with us. And it summons great uh, panic. Have you ever been panicked, fathers, to try and explain to your wives why the son you left with or the children she entrusted you with are no longer in your stewardship? Whoo! Well, you already heard my story. I lost Zachary in Knott's Berry Farm. And I only had minutes before the ride that my wife and everybody else was on. I had seemingly seconds to find him. 
in a multitude of 100,000 people. And I had no other choice except to beg God that he would help me. <laughs> well, this couple, though I might have found greater encouragement had this come to my mind, they lost Jesus, they lost God. And the Lord did answer me. We did one of these classic, you know, kind of backed into each other and turned around and there we were. And I rejoiced because just precisely at that time, mom came around the corner. How are you guys doing? Oh, great. We're doing great. You, you had a good time together? <laughs> Don't even talk about it. Fabulous. Yeah, we had a great time. I had a grievous time. So panic was all over me, and I only share that to say that those are the times in which God is desperately being sought by the heart of a father when the child is lost or the daughter is lost. And so he was, in fact, faithful to bring out of that multitude this intersection. And um, I couldn't even, here's how bad it was, I couldn't even describe my son. Okay, what type of hair does he have? Because I'm being asked these questions. I don't know. I don't have hair. It's not one of my problems. <laughs> brown. What type of brown? I'm not sure. Sandy brown, blonde brown. I don't even, is it long? I don't know. I couldn't ask. Uh, eyes. I think they're brown. How tall? I'm not sure. It was like all of these questions. I couldn't even tell them what clothes he was wearing. So I was pretty pathetic. Jesus, though, right now, and I think you understand where he's at and where ultimately they will find him, because in their panic, they do what any parent would do, and that's to turn around. But what I was saying is that one of the things that we do know is that they traveled in caravans, huge caravans. And so it's very easy to presume that your kid is with perhaps another kid, another family. We don't have, again, the evidence that families passed one another with kids, but it's very probable he wasn't with them. They got distracted. So they go back to find out where he was. Supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. Imagine that, three days sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Classic parental question. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. That's an honest statement. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Have you ever had your son or daughter say that? Why did you seek me? I was doing great. Well, this is Jesus, and he actually was doing great. It was not a problem to him. Notice, though, what he says. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Let me anchor there. The father's business in this earthly tenure, as we raise our children, is to make sure that they are very intimately acquainted with the Father's house. 
Our Father's business is to make sure that our children are intimately acquainted with the Father's house, that in a time, perhaps, of being lost, they'll know where to go. How will they know where to go? Because you showed them the way. You were with them. The things that happen in life at times take kids. You and I probably as adults know very well many paths that seemingly split from the narrow road. Things that we perhaps stepped out on presuming that it would lead to this led to something altogether differently. And yet the Lord is faithful to bring us back. But where do we find ourselves being brought back to? That place in which there was a spiritual ordinance that was put into our hearts. This is where we go on Sunday. This is what we do during the week. This is those kinds of people that we abstain from having influence in our lives. These are the people that we have fellowship to be in one heart, one mind, focused on one person, Jesus Christ. His answer, obviously, is what we would desire that every young son and every young daughter would be able to say. But how is that? How is that, if you would, inspired? Just by what it is I'm saying, the familiarity with the house of God and with the people of God. We have... I think that I was told there were some 20-plus college age. Is that right? Yesterday, was, what was the inventory? Over 20? Converging in a house that opened up their doors for hospitality. And when you see that, here's what you know. God the Father has touched their heart to point His Son out to them. See, it's not simply about us being fathers. We are. But if we detach ourselves from the Father who has given us the Son, and we try to make that relevant in our raising of the children, it just doesn't work. It's dysfunctional. But some of these 20-year-olds, they're just really, for us, new to this work. And yet what we see in them is an inspiration that we can't take credit for. Who gets credit for it? God the Father, because He's shown them the Son. How did He show them the son, through sons and daughters that pointed to the brother that they lost, the Lord that they perhaps had heard of but had never truly given their life over to. It's an extraordinary thing, I will tell you, that to have 20-plus, 20 20-year-olds 20 converging on a house that has been dedicated to the purposes of hosting godly events even Super Bowls. I won't disclose that family to you. It's a godly event when you go to that house for Super Bowl, though. That's an extraordinary work of the Lord in touching the lives of sons and daughters who have been adopted by some of you, prayed for, and you didn't even know it, and their lives are being changed. And you know what? They're going into the Sunday school departments. They're the ones that are putting together these teachings, they're the ones that are inspiring the sons and daughters that are behind them. They're the ones that point to those who perhaps were not raised with that passion. So I wanted to share that simply as this moves down because they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And we'll move into what that means for you and I. We need to bring understanding to our kids 
and we need to bring understanding to the church. That is a correct clarification and teaching about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's not just a good man. He was not simply just a rabbi. He was God, incarnate, came. He left his throne in heaven to be robed in humanity on earth to dwell and walk among men and declare the good news that salvation had come to his people and ultimately to us through his people. And so this story about Jesus, both to fathers, to mothers, to sons and daughters, to uncles and aunts, grandmas and grandpas, it has the same effect. It touches you and compels you to strive for something that even may be to others, you're getting lost in God. What are you doing in the house of worship? There are other things to be doing. You know, even in this time where media is now a venue for us, there are people that are actually linking to us in spirit, in truth, walking with us even though for them in this season, it's not a place that their faith can be expressed right now. I understand that. But as I was sitting there, I saw the phone and it's linked to people that say, I'm with you, I'm with you, we're here, checking in. And you're going, really? I thought you were bowling. I didn't really think that, but when you see it, you're going, wow. Sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, relatives checking in to what? The family of God. Their heart literally is by media checking into a place in which they are what? Lost. Where? In the place to be found. When you see worship ascending, we sometimes qualify that as being in a different place spiritually. It's not that we're losing our minds, it's that our minds are freed up and our voices are freed up. I noticed that in one of the songs, the completion of the lyrics, we had a, like the first two sets. And I remember that in that I felt vulnerable, but then all of a sudden I felt free. Because then I was listening to the band more intently, really acquisitioning the language of spiritual words. I was lost in lyrics, but then I was found in spirit. I was like a little child, you know, what do I do now? And I just, in a blink of a moment, connected to the Lord in my vulnerability. So I say that because Jesus was about his father's business. Thank you, fathers, for making the Lord the business that you have entrusted to your kids. What will my kids do? They'll do exactly what has been your business. You will entrust the word of God to them, the person of Jesus to them, and they will follow you. When? At a time, perhaps, that will surprise you, even as it surprised Joseph and Mary. At 12 years of age, we have kids right now that have the spirit of God in them that is as mature as anything that I think I had as a 16-year-old and maybe even a 30-year-old. We have that happening How's that happening? Because you're parenting really well. It's not saying anything about my parents. I went to church every Sunday, but I'm saying there's something that is connecting with this generation, and the parenting is both an explanation for it as well as the father parenting through you and touching them 
through a generation that is inspiring them. It's pretty awesome. And then notice this. I do want to come to this point too. He then went down with them and came to Nazareth. That was their hometown. And was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. There's a mother treasuring the things that she heard from her son, Jesus. Treasuring, not despising it. Have you ever treasured the words from your kids? I was so wanting to do this. We recorded on several occasions our kids memorizing scripture. And one that Christy bumped into last week was Karis. And it was just awesome. What was she reciting? Psalm 23. Psalm 23? And um, we may just do that just because you'll hear your kid's voice in that. Uh, I couldn't pull it off quite. It was one of those spontaneous, oh, I remember. See, you're putting the word of God in your kids. Even right now, we don't have a Sunday school, but guess what? They're here with you. We had a family that for two weeks, younger kids, that sat over in that corner faithfully. That was pretty awesome. But see, that's what I used to do all the time. Many of you grew up in churches in which there wasn't a Sunday school. You sat with your folks. I can still remember seeing my dad's hands on the hymnal, his hands on the Bible. I remember at times being pancaked between mom and dad because it wasn't working to be with my brothers. And so they scrunched me up really good saying, you're going to get through this service with our help. And when necessary, Dad's hand that was on the Bible would come over to my hand, which was at mischief, and he would put a quiet squeeze on it. And that's where I learned to sing really high. <laughs> my father parenting me through learning of the Word of God. Never forgot it. It's awesome. I'm glad we have Sunday school because there's great things going on there. But for those parents who also are shepherding your kids to sit before a teaching in the sanctuary, awesome. The beach ministry, we had lots of kids coming out there this Thursday. Awesome. Jesus returns with his folks. His mother treasured these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He increased. And so too, as that is an example of what a son does to your kids, sons and daughters, increase in stature, wisdom, in favor with God and men. What a great word. What a great example. Well, you know that this moves him pretty quickly right into his ministry. It's a very short excerpt from childhood to adulthood. And how many of you found that to be true? Wow, where did the time go? We had graduation last week, right? Where did the time go? How could we be sending out, you know, eight kids right now? I mean, where did the time go? But we have, we've done it with the Lord's help. We've done it, parenting as unto the Lord. And now guess what? The Lord gets to do what it is that we've done. He takes everything that we've put into our kids and they do not and will not forget it. And in transcribing that into a real life moment, we will see the fruit of what we've done as parents, both as fathers and mothers. I still think that the success we have as fathers 
is by the fruitfulness we have with their mothers. Don't you agree? It's pretty awesome. Let me take you to Deuteronomy. First, uh, we're going to do 31 and 30. I went to backtrack. Deuteronomy chapter 1, I believe, is where we'll be. I'm going to double check. I know I had an error on my other one. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to give you the verse in a second. I'm going to proof it. And pick it up at verse 30. First of all, just preceding that, it says, do not be terrified or afraid of them. What's that? Well, in this case, that would be the world system. That's the world that they knew. You do not, as parents, as fathers, be terrified. You be strong. Don't be afraid of them, whomever they are. Whomever those that may be influencing your kids. Don't be afraid of them. Be strong in the Lord and what he has planned for them. Do you realize that God has plans for our kids that we may not fully know? Yeah, he does. My father did not know that I was being prepared for ministry. And so he took great exception when I hung up my teaching vocation after eight years with a ninth one put in there. I was following in his footsteps as a teacher. He could not imagine me as a missionary, could not imagine me as one who would just sell everything, pack up my guitar in a case and head to a foreign land. And so we had one of those moments of not understanding each other. And I remember going out into the field just going, Lord, why is this so hard? Why are they not releasing me? And so there is a time in which the parent releases for the purpose of knowing the certainty of God's will. But that doesn't mean dismissing cavalierly the charge you have of parenting. Eventually, though, the Lord had to prove to my parents the decision that I'd made. And they came actually to visit me twice down in Mexico. And that was an awesome reward. The Lord's not through fathers with your sons, with your daughters. And he's not through developing your faith. And it hurts. It at times terrifies you. God says, don't be terrified. You take courage. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you accordingly to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. The emphasis right there is that as God carried you, or if you would, in this case, his people group, we see that he equates that to what a man would do for his son, what a man would do for his daughter. How do we carry them, though, when we've released them? We carry them in prayer. How is it that with confidence we know certainly that the Lord is going to be with them and protect them and bless us? Well, that's where faith 
The assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, needs to be fully engaged in. Fathers, we have to have that. It requires us to have a standard of excellence in our confidence and belief that God is faithful. And if he was to us, why would he not be to your sons and to your daughters? He can't contradict himself as he's been faithful to fathers now who are parents in perhaps that release stage. He's not going to do any less. There's a generation that he's raising up. But I wanted to come to that, that God carried his people as a father would a son. He will carry our sons and daughters as we would, as we have opportunity yet to do so. I want you to take note of another scripture, just a few pages over from that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is what fathers do. This is what you have done. This is what is effectual. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So these words need to be in our heart, fathers, mothers too, who know there's a great responsibility in the headship that a father has over his homes. The welfare of the home's estate, the welfare of the occupancy of each home. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So guess what? If you put a clock on it, how often you sit in places of your house, the Lord says here, that is going to be a talking points moment for you. And it can be difficult, can't it, in these days in which the telephone does a lot of talking. Oh, at one time, we were to do a lot of talking on the phone. It does a lot of talking to us, doesn't it? Unless you're a true, I will not go the way of the phone. And you get your flip phones out. And your flip phones can't do anything except give you an opportunity to talk. But a lot of us have phones that do a lot more talking to us than perhaps we do to God and to our children. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it's what technology has brought us to. But the Bible says this concerning parents and in the raising of our kids. Talk to them when you sit. What do I talk about? As long as you're bringing up the person of God in what it is they may be going through or what it is you're enjoying, that's a good conversation. Well, you mean, can I talk about God when we're watching a football game? Try it. See what happens. Son, daughter, it's a scrimmage line out there. And the only way that you're going to make yardage is to keep your eye on that opponent. You've got moves that you can make both laterally. You can retreat. You can find a way beyond them. It's a game. Watch for that contact. And therefore, you want to make sure you're listening to your quarterback. It could be any sport, but what I'm saying is is that in the times that you sit, the command is to diligently teach your children. Talk of them. 
when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Jewish people, the men, actually literally did this. If you go there, some traditional Orthodox Jews will wear what's called the phylactery on their head. It looks like a little birdhouse. And inside it has a little door. There is a scroll. It's the word of the Lord, a real tiny one. And what they're doing is they're, they're physically attaching themselves to this word in a literal fashion that they might not forget. One of the things I believe that the Lord is saying is, you guys are hard-headed. You need to have you need to have an image put on your head to remind yourself. There was this binding, and you can still see it again in the more orthodox community. They take a leather thong and lace it up their arm and then between their fingers. And it's to remind them, as this verse has said, on your hand you're going to bind it as a sign to you. And that's what it is. It looks like a a leather thong around the arm. That place where the forearm is a showing of strength. God says, your strength is in me. I'm binding you to me. And you're being bound to the covenant that I've made with you. Today, when I was leaving, I saw this on the table. I said, what is that? And I went after it like a raccoon. It was shiny. I said, that's not mine, <laughs> but it was attractive. And then I did what little boys do that should behave like men. It wasn't mine, but I tried it on. And then I couldn't get it off. You remember those times when you tried somebody's ring on, like your wife's, and you're going, I'm not going to be able to explain this at the office. <laughs> it looks like a girl's ring. It's my wife's. You know, I did that with my dad's ring, only that had a different consequence. I lost it. Way to talk about that. I tried to get it off, and the Lord just made me laugh. You're not taking it off. It's got a cross on it. The Lord, I've already put on my watch. Yes, that's for one thing for you. That reminds you that time is short. This reminds you you have a purpose for the time. This was my, for today, my leather binding. And I honestly could not get it off. I still can't figure out how it works. I mean, originally I did, but, you know, my brother, <laughs> I'm a twin brother, right? When he was a little, we were both little babies at the same time, so I got to figure this out. But we got stuffed animals. His stuffed animal was an elephant. And I really wanted the elephant. My stuffed animal was the raccoon. And here I am as a little raccoon pursuing a shiny object. And I thought this was leather, but it's not. It's like, it's like rubber. Looks like leather. You may say, where's this going? Nowhere. Just... <laughs> the Lord made me realize that I was a little raccoony guy. And what I got my hands into mischief, he said, yeah, but I'm binding you right now to a message to give. So the Lord brings these reminders to us. Now for me, on this and for this, that was what the Lord said. Tell them time is short as fathers. Tell the sons and daughters time is short. Tell them that they have a purpose 
And so you can't see it, but it's a cross. Very nice. And it's accented because it's in silver and there's the band beneath it. Tell them. By the way, which one of you guys have this? Zachary. <laughs> I like that. His name means Jehovah remembers. And the Lord was saying, Rich, you need to remember this. But your middle name means God's gift, so thank you. <laughs> so this, from the word, is what fathers are to do and what I believe we are doing. So thank you, fathers, for that. Whatever humor you may have found in the illustration, isn't that so like the Lord to remind us that we continue to have to summon within us the need to say time is short. You have a purpose. Settle that purpose. Let your legacy be that you watched the time and you fulfilled your purpose. Let that be your legacy. Because there will be a time in which no more talks can take place. No more walks can take place. But what can take place is those kids in our place, sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. Thank you. I like knitting those two. It is Father's Day. But praise God for the mothers that have made our day. And actually, the ones indeed that bore the brunt in delivering our kids. What an awesome, awesome thing that God has designed and purpose. Let me take you to one closing verse right now. Actually, two. So in Psalm 103, verse 13 through 14, for encouragement, notice this. Psalm 103, 13 through 14. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now, here's what's intriguing about that. Again, as a father pities his children, this doesn't mean the pathetic, oh my word, you know, it's not feeling pitiful for them. It is a connection of deep sensitivity in their area of vulnerability and the things that they're learning as they're clumsily moving through orientation and living. And so one of the things that we have to be careful of as fathers is judging the awkwardness of our children as we're raising them. If that were not the case, in other words, that God was ruthless and harsh to us because of our awkwardness and mistakes, where would we be? The very testimony of our life is that he had a pity on us, meaning a deep compassion and a cheering of us in what he was doing. It, it means he feels the growing pains. He feels those things that at times burden us. And he's mindful that in our particular, I suppose, portion of our life, we're just but dust. And we need him. And he shows us that he's the loving father. Notice the other emphasized word, the fear of him. Fathers, thank you for teaching the fear of the Lord to your kids. Nurturing moms, thank you for doing that. Revering the Lord, pointing to the house of God. 
demonstrating that the word of God is more important to you than the newspapers of man. Whatever's happening on the world stage will have its end result as God has planned. But what happens in eternity is right now preparation by what we're hearing from the word of God. Psalm 127, you're very familiar with it. But in verse 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. We have received children from the Lord, but the only way it can be a heritage is if God literally saying, I own them, they're mine. Heritage is very clearly linked to that which wasn't ours, but is ours. It came and it follows. And that's God that does that. Their heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, is a reward. Their rewards to us. And we're to honor the Lord in making note of that. Can they be problems for us? Life has its problems. Kids can problem us, of course, because they have challenges as we once had challenges but they are nevertheless a reward and we will be rewarded in our prayers for them our rearing raising counsel to them like warriors it says in the hand of a like arrows in the hand of a warrior so are the children of one's youth happy is the man who has a quiver full of them they shall not be ashamed but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. Our kids will one day be a source, even now, of great strength to us. In whatever positions we hold, they will eventually have a position that will be esteemed of great value, great pride that we will be able to have in them. Wherever the Lord brings them, it's a result of them being a reward from God to you, and that you get to have the boasting points of his faithfulness later on. Pretty awesome. Sons and daughters, though, in closing, and fathers and mothers, for this applies to us. Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. And so in the rearing of children, there is a time, as we know, in which correction is not only allotted, but it is divinely allowed. And so we get to talk to God with how that correction effectually works truth into their life. And we at times need to speak truth, even though it seems to be not listened to, or even appreciated. When it's done in love, when it's done according to the word, it will do precisely what at one time that corrective word from God did to us. Just the same with me. I honestly believe that though my motivation for putting this on, it wasn't premeditated, it was compulsive. Just curiosity, just raccoony. But I honestly believe that had I in panic tried to tear this off, get my hand out of it, I think the Lord would have corrected me because he wanted to use it this day 
for some of you, for me certainly, to say have them bind truth around their wrist like a ring, just like you did. Don't have them take it off. It doesn't matter if they wanted to be an elephant today, but they're a raccoon like you are. Tell them not to take it off. Tell them it means a purpose for their life. Sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. There is a purpose. But there's no greater person involved in that person than God Almighty. And so though we may not necessarily say, I haven't tasted yet of the fruit of that which is being spoken of, remember, God is able to savor now what we cannot taste yet. And to God be the glory. Great things he has done, great things he will do, great things we will see in our kids. That's an awesome reality.